Who's ready for the word of the Lord today? Open up your uh, Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 2. Then we'll be going to Galatians chapter 4. As you turn there, I want to say thank you so much for being faithful with your tithes and with your offering. We are seeing the fruits of that. Whenever you give, you allow us to do things not only here, keep the lights and stuff on, but you also allow us to do things like Merry Christmas, outreaches in our city. Uh, this last Tuesday, we were on the parade route. We gave away hundreds of cups of hot chocolate, invited people to church and all those good things. That is possible whenever you give. So if you'd like to be a part of what God is doing through our tithes and our offering and giving, our ushers will be at the doors you leave today. You can fill out an envelope. You can give online at LegacyRome.com, or you can text any amount to the number on the bottom of the screen right there. So thank you so much for allowing us and making it easy for us to reach out to people and help people when they are in need and get them into the house of the Lord. Genesis chapter 2 today and Galatians chapter 4. I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 2 verses 8 through 9. Then go 15 through 17. It says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 9, And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden uh, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. But, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Today I want to talk to you about, since we are in, the, we are in this Christmas season, I, I want to uh, talk uh, this morning about what is the real reason. What, what is the real reason? Um, and I'm going to go there with you in just a moment. As I was uh, this last week, I was uh, on, the, on ESPN, there was a little documentary type of story, and they were talking about great coaches in, in football, and I was watching as the announcers were sharing a story about one of the most, uh, about a legendary coach, uh, Coach Vince Lombardi. He was talking about his team, and he was on a winning streak, and uh, the, the first half of that game was just horrible. I mean, his team they were not playing. They were not scoring. They were not the same team they were last week. Uh, they were not that team that had been winning championships. And he was sharing, um, he was sharing uh, that whenever he went into the locker room, he looked down and picked up a, a regular football that was lying there, and he calmly began to talk to the team. And he's describing this football. He's describing just. Very basic things that probably a lot of people in this room could do, just like the color of it. He was talking about the shape and the aerodynamics of, of this football, and he was talking about the direction in which the ball should be going down the field and, and how you actually score in the game and how you get extra points and how you win. Can you imagine the faces? of these professional athletes as this legend is before you and he's giving you the ABCs of a game that you were 
being paid to play. I can't imagine what they were thinking, but and why in the world would, would the most winning coach with one of the most winning teams take an entire halftime in the locker room to explain the fundamentals to a bunch of professionals? Um, the the, 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 the uh, announcer was sharing that he told them that he, was, that he was doing that because he was trying to get them to quit focusing on the crowd. They were not in a, their, their home field. The crowds were booing. He was trying to get them to, to block out the noise, block out the cameras and the lights and quit focusing on everything else and simply do what they were paid to do, which was play football. He was trying to remind them of the very reason why they were actually on that field. How many of you know that sometimes, especially around this Christmas season, we need to take a moment and we need to pick up a Bible. We need to pick up a manger scene like he picked up that, that football that day. And we need to remind ourselves of the very basics of this thing called uh, Christmas. We need to remind ourselves of what we've been called to do, of what we should be doing while we are here on the, on the fields of life. And sometimes in the middle of the hustle and the bustle, in the middle of the commercialization of Christmas, in the middle of jolly old St. Nick and, and, and Rudolph and, and the reindeers and, and, and Frosty and all of those things, sometimes... Somebody has got to reach down and pick up the word and remind ourselves of what we are really here for. Amen. Sometimes God wants us to reach down and pick up the word and tell other people what, what this is really all about. And, and so often this, this reason of the season becomes this, this cliche kind of talk uh, because we feel like that's what Christians say. You know, that's the reason for the season. And then People will probably are thinking right now, please preach about something else because I, I, I'm, I'm part of the church. I'm tired of hearing about the real reason. I was, I was born in the church. I know the Christmas story. I was even married one year in the Christmas program. So I know how all of this goes. I know there was no room in the end. I know I know all of those things. I don't need to know it. But, but, but who knows that familiarity will rob you of revelation sometimes. Sometimes you can become so familiar with something so powerful like Christmas that you don't sit and, and you don't really break down what it really is. Sometimes in the moments like this when God is whispering to us, we can be so uh, caught up with everything in life that we miss what he is trying to share to us. And if you have become so familiar with the Christmas story that it no longer excites you, you may be missing revelation this year. If you've become so familiar with the Christmas story that you never take time to pause and think about Jesus, if Jesus Jesus really never crosses your mind when you are in the middle of Christmas. You need to get back to the basics of it all. Amen. And so before we go any further, let me take a moment to remind us on how, how this uh, how this man named Jesus came to planet Earth. Isn't it amazing how, how a God would choose to come to Earth as a baby? I find it so strange that a king of kings, the one who has the whole world in the palm of his hand, would choose to come as a baby. I don't know about you, but if I'm the king, I, I definitely would not choose to come as, as a baby. Why in the world would you come as a baby and have to rely 
on everyone else to do everything for you. I, I don't understand the concept. Why would he come and have to go through the stages of life? Why would he come and have to go through the craziness emotions of puberty? Why would he ever want to go back there? Why would he ever want to go back through the chaos of high school and being a teenager? I, I, I don't get it. But there was something that attracted him to want to become, to come to life as a baby. If I were him, I would have skipped all of that mess. I would have skipped all the childhood things, and I would have just came like full-grown Jesus, come out walking on the water, turning water into wine. But no, he chose to come as a baby. And if you've ever had a baby, how many of you know babies really can't do that much? They're, they're really not good at too many things in life. They're great at crying. They're great at messing up diapers. <laughs> There it is, amen, he felt that. God is speaking today through that child. And, and babies, babies really, I don't know if he was testifying or complaining, I don't know. Babies, I believe he said amen, but babies can't do really that much. But there, there, but, but there are two things that babies are great at. Two things that babies are great at. They are great at holding and beholding. They are great at holding them. And be holding them. You can hold them all day long. They will let you do it all day long. And you can behold them. To behold means to gaze upon, to look at. It's so great whenever you're holding that newborn baby and you're just beholding it. You are gazing at its face. You are pinching its little chubby cheeks. That's when it's cool to have jelly rolls. And you're counting them. And you're counting the toes and its hands and its cute. And it's so pretty. You are beholding. It's beauty. You think it's the prettiest thing ever. Somebody else may think your child is ugly, but you think that thing, you think that thing is the next Brad Pitt. It is, woo, it's so cute. And you're just beholding it. To behold means you, that you gaze upon it, that you look at it. And that, 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 that is what they are great at, being held and looking at. In other words, the God of this universe the God who has all power in his hands, the God that spoke this world into existence, the God who said, let there be light, and there was light. The God who has all authority came as a little baby, and babies are only good at holding and beholding. Maybe he wanted us to teach something from the very beginning, right out of the gate. I think God was trying to teach us a lesson that this is where it all starts, that you not only have to hold on to him, but you have to behold him in moments like this. You have to keep gazing at him. Your eyes have to be fixed on him this Christmas. In spite of what is going on around you, you got to just keep looking, looking, and looking and fixing your eyes on him. There is power in beholding. You may think, what, 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 what? What's, what, what's the reason behind that? There is power in beholding the Lord. Kids say, you are what you eat. You, you are what you put inside of you. You will become what you behold. Whatever you fix your eyes on, more than likely, you start becoming that thing. Whatever you keep looking at, whatever you keep scrolling back, and back and back and looking at, that is what you will become. Whatever you gaze upon, that is what you will become in life. And could it be that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he could have come as an adult, but he chose to come as a baby to teach us the basics of a season like this is to hold on to him and to behold him. Fix your eyes on him. 
How long has it been since you just took a moment just to behold him? You weren't asking for anything. You didn't need anything from him. You just wanted to see his face. Often we are so distracted and so busy waiting on full-grown Jesus to do a miracle for us. Full-grown Jesus to come walk on our water. Full-grown Jesus to to come and turn our water into wine. Full-grown Jesus to to come and calm the storm that we miss the reason. We we, we miss the basics of just beholding him. David said in Psalm 27.4, he said, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. Have you ever been in a place where you didn't know what to do? Have you ever been in a place that it seemed like everything was going crazy? Have you ever been around a bunch of people and it felt like every person was going crazy around you? Has it ever felt like earth just started to spin out of control? Have you ever been in a situation where you could not control the situation? Have you ever been in a place where you find yourself in a predicament that you never thought you would be in? Guess what? That is the perfect time in a moment like that to behold him and fix your eyes upon him and look upon his face and get back to the basics because it's the real reason of a season just like this. John even said in John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. All we could do was look at him. It was so beautiful. We never seen a baby like this. We had never seen a prophecy be fulfilled like this. All they could do was look at him. This is why we are in the season. The prophecy was fulfilled. 400 years of silence was broken. Whenever baby Jesus began to cry out, 400 years of silence was gone. It was not a silent night, trust me. All it was was chaos. Nobody knew what was going on, but in the middle of it all, once she pushed that baby out, they realized it was a prophetic word, and all of a sudden, they knew nothing to do except Just look at him. Look at his glory. For years, they've been promised. They had heard that a Savior was coming. They had heard, do not be afraid. The angel told Mary, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And then finally, there it was. One day in Bethlehem, he stuck to his word and he became flesh. He came down and said, do not be afraid because why? I am Emmanuel. I'm actually here with you. But so many missed him then and so many are missing him now because they will not behold him. Hmm. Get this. Every Christmas, we get excited, we put up the decor, we play the Christmas music, but we often do not understand that Christmas is simply a scene and part of the big story. We, he came as a baby, and we, and, we, and we will depict him in manger scenes, but we don't realize that that's just a chapter in the story. He became flesh. 
He, he, he became Christmas. He, he Christmased us all because of a problem that occurred in the book of Genesis. He came flesh all because of a problem that happened at the very beginning of time. And while we are partying this season and we are shopping and we're saying Merry Christmas and we got our sweaters on and we're jamming out to Mariah Carey, we often forget that it's not just a birthday that we are celebrating. It's not just a birthday, but we are celebrating the answer to a problem that came at the very beginning of time. Do you get this? You would never have heard of Mary and Joseph if it were not for Adam and Eve. That we, 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 we would not need a manger scene if it would not have been from the beginning of time. And you cannot fully have a Merry Christmas. You cannot fully understand it all until you start to tie these two together. So give me a couple of minutes this morning. And I'm going to tie Genesis to Bethlehem and Bethlehem to where we are today. And, you, you, and, and you've really got to grasp this so you can understand the magnitude of Christmas. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. After Adam and Eve had messed up the trajectory of life, trajectory of humanity, guess what? God still spoke to them. Isn't it amazing that you can mess up and God will still speak to you? Amen. If you're thankful for that, you should say amen this morning. You can mess up and God will still speak to you. They had messed up the trajectory of generations of humanity and God was still moving with them. God was still speaking to them. He said to the serpent that had, that had led them astray, he said, look, the word says, I'm going to put enmity. I'm going to put chaos. I'm going to put hostility. He said, he, he spoke to the serpent and said, I'm going to put hostility between your seed and this woman's seed. This word stuck out to me, seed. The very fact that he used the word seed was interesting and very prophetic. There are are a lot of people that believe that prophecy does uh, th did not exist until the New Testament. That is not true. This was a prophetic word because if you know anything about biology 101, you know that the woman does not have the seed, but the man has the seed. The man has the seed. Even in Genesis, prophetic word was coming forth that a supernatural birth would come from the very beginning of time. He said his seed... His seed, Satan's seed, may bruise your heel. But he looked at Eve and said, but your seed is going to have the power to crush that very serpent's head. He said, Satan may come and try to bruise your heel. He may try to snatch you and, and, and bite at you. He said, but I'm going to put something inside of you, woman, that you are going to give birth to throughout generations that will have the power to put your head on that serpent's head, put your foot on his head and destroy him and crush him. Do you get this today? So many times we think that Christmas is supposed to be peaceful. Let me tell you something. Christmas is also a time of spiritual warfare for people. Your mind will go places this season and whenever your mind and your body wants to go to some places, you've got to remember that from the very beginning of time, a child was birthed for this very reason so that there would be something that would crush Satan's 
head. You've got to remember, even in the Christmas season, you, you, a lot of times you, get, you, you start fighting with your family. I'm not talking about that type of family. Not that type of fighting. I'm talking about spiritual fighting. Christmas is not just for joy and peace. Christmas is when the devil, Satan, is after your heel. He's trying to snatch you up. And he said, guess what? Your seed, Satan, may bruise their, their heel. But your seed, woman, there is something inside of you that is going to crush the serpent's head. This was a promise all the way in Genesis. And what Eve did not understand because she could not see it. When she looked around, she just saw Adam and Eve. But what, so she's sitting here thinking, oh, oh, the Lord, oh, my, oh, my baby, he's going to be a king. He's going to be a pastor. He's going to mega church. Oh, he's going to crush Satan. Oh, my baby, my baby, my baby. Oh, I just knew it. I just knew it. I just knew it. This is my child. He's going to be raised up. He's going to kill Satan. Oh, but she did not realize what God was speaking. She did not realize that when God was speaking in Genesis, he actually saw Christmas morning in Bethlehem. She did not realize that the problem that she had gotten into, God was already coming up with a solution for Christmas morning. She could just see herself, she, but she had no idea about these people named Mary and Joseph. But while, while she's sitting there, God is looking thousands of years down the road to a little town called Bethlehem. You need to get this, another basic that I want want you to get today. Another reason for this season is to remember that God's promises are always worth waiting for. God's promises are always worth waiting for. That is a purpose of Christmas, is to remind you of what was promised to a woman named Eve that could not happen until Christmas morning, thousands of years later. If God has given you a promise, it is so, it is so, it is so. His promises are yes and amen. Christmas often has that ability to bring some people into depression. Christmas often has that ability to bring people into anxiety. Why is that? It is, it is that way because the serpent is trying to bruise your heel in a moment that was meant for you to behold the Lord. Some people start the mourning process all over at Christmas. Why? Why? Because Satan is after your heel. But let me tell you something today. Satan may bruise your heel this Christmas, but there is a gift on the inside of you that has the power to crush the head of that very serpent, and this Christmas, the devil don't want you to have that gift. Hold on to him, behold him, and remember his promises are worth waiting for. Some of you can't even wait till Christmas to open up your gifts, but can you wait for his promises? I felt conviction right over in here. <laughs> Some of you can't even keep a secret. You want to open it? You want to open it, don't you? Come on. Yeah, you do. Some of us, we can't even, we can't even wait till Christmas to open up the gifts. But can you wait on the promises of the Lord? There's power in the waiting. There's power in the waiting. There's power in it. Whenever you celebrate Christmas, you are missing the basics. You are missing the reason if you just look at Bethlehem. But you have to rewind 
to the beginning of time to really understand the fullness of this story. You know the story how, how God created Adam from the dirt. You know this story how, how, how Adam was nothing and he reached down in the dirt and he created Adam, just this big ball of dirt. I told first service that I am confident that Eve was the first one to call a man a dirt bag. <laughs> if your wife ever calls you a dirt bag, she's just speaking the scripture, okay? <laughs> just receive it and bless her and let her go. I'm confident that Eve was the first one to call a man a dirtbag because she had, she had heard the story. She knew what it was. God made him from the dirt, and then the worst is that he breathed into them. God realized that it was not good for him to be alone, so God took a rib from Adam. I call this the first C-section ever. Woman, you thought you were it. No, he cut, a, he cut the man open, and something was birthed from him. He took that rib. He took that rib and, and made Eve, and guess what? Adam woke up, and he saw Eve, and it was like the first Christmas morning morning. It was a gift that he never thought he, he could even imagine. And God, guess what? The words that I just read, God put them in a garden. And what was in the garden? The word I read, the garden was full of trees. So not only was it the first, like the first Christmas, but it was like the first Christmas tree. He wakes up in the garden of Eden and here's a woman laying among all the trees. I mean, it was just like Christmas time. God placed them in a place called Eden. Eden means the presence of God. Eden means an open door or an open heaven. God had prepared an environment for them to encounter him. God always prepares a place before he puts his people in it. You need to get that. God always is going before you and preparing a place before he puts people in it. He is like a professional house flipper. He's going before you and making it better. He's like a professional culture setter. He's just always going and preparing something for you. Do you understand that God has a mansion for you in heaven? The word said, if I go and prepare it, I'm going to come back. Guess what? Your mansion is ready. It is set for you. He's just waiting on you to get there. He's already prepared it. Get, uh, get this. The, God has already prepared a season of revival for the church. He has already prepared an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He's just waiting on the church to get there. God has already prepared a move of his spirit for you and your house. He's just waiting on you to want it and to get there. God has already created a place of his presence, and he put Adam and Eve right in the middle of it. God created a place for you too. God gave his presence, and he wants you to be in his presence. God created soil. Why? Because he created a place for dead seeds to fall and to be buried and to grow up crops. God created water. Why? He first created the water and then he filled it with fish. But if you take the seed out of the soil, the place that he prepared for it, if you take the fish out of the water, you know the environment that he created for the fish, guess what? They will die. The same is for you this Christmas. You were made for his presence. And if you leave it, you will die. You were made to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you want to know one thing that's wrong with America? We have stepped out of of the house of the Lord. Churches are empty and now we are dying. Your soul wants to worship the Lord. You don't even know it. The, the, the 
the deepest sinner soul is crying out for worship. The person who doesn't even know Jesus, the atheist, guess what? If you're listening this morning, guess what? Your soul wants to worship the Lord. Why? Because your soul knows it was created to be in the presence of God. He places them in this place called Eden, full of fruit trees. And in the middle, there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, all of this is yours. Merry Christmas. I've got the trees. I've got your gifts. All of this is yours. Whatever you do, do not touch this tree. Whatever you do, all of it's yours. You can eat anything you want. Whatever you do, do not touch it. So right now, it's like the first Christmas morning. We got the first gift, which was woman. Come on, women, say amen. We've got the Christmas trees. And now we have the naughty and nice list. Do not touch this. This, this, this will get you on the naughty list. Do not touch this tree. Whatever you do, do not touch it. Why is it that so many people are drawn to what they are told not to touch? If you want somebody to touch something, just put a sign on it, do not touch. <laughs> and that one person that gets under your skin will touch that thing. Why is it? Why is it we are drawn to things that we are told not to touch? I mean, it's just like Christmas whenever your parents put that gift out under the tree two weeks in advance. And you know it's yours and they tell you, you better not touch it. And they leave and what do you do? <laughs> you better not touch it. And for days you're looking at it. It's calling your name. It even has your name written on it. It's killing you. Can't take the pressure. And then finally, when your parents are gone, you're all alone. And you start to unwrap that gift. Has anybody ever been there? <laughs> you're looking for something. All you can find is a butter knife. And you're trying to get between the tape and the paper. And you're sitting there, and you're pulling back the layers. And now, now that you have it, it already had your name on it, but you could not wait for it. And now it's Christmas morning, and guess what? The surprise is no longer there. Simply because you could not wait, and simply because you did not trust. He said, don't eat from this tree. And in human fashion, why did they eat from the tree? We didn't trust it because I know what's best for me. You lost trust and you lost a blessing. In the middle of all of this, he says, do not touch this one thing. And what did they do? They touched it. Lord, listen, Lord, that's my favorite kind of fruit. I love the orange tree. There's no other orange tree in this. Lord, I, I, 
I know you're my provider, and I know you put this in my path for me to partake of it. So, Lord, right now, I know you said it, but I know that's what I like, and I can see it. So I'm going to start to indulge myself in it. And all of a sudden, guess what? The reason they did it in, the, in a total human fashion, because we think we know better than God, and we don't trust him because we know better. And we begin to eat whatever we want to and consume whatever we want to of life. And we choose not to wait, but to just go ahead and eat. But we lose trust and we lose timing. It wasn't time for it. If you could see my schedule this Christmas, timing. You know what the devil loves to do in a moment when you're supposed to be beholding? It's put everything in front of you so you can behold something else instead of the Lord. He loves to get your schedule full around Christmas. He loves to you. He loves for you to get to get so hectic. I tell you what, we put up all these trees the other day. I looked at Sarah. I said, if I touch another tree, I don't want to see another tree. Oh, if I see another tree, if I hear somebody say one thing about these trees, oh, I don't want to touch another tree. And the devil, that's serious. Didn't I say that? Testify. <laughs> and here we are. So often we get so caught up with that stuff. I'm beholding the Christmas trees. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14. We got them in the house, and I'm walking around beholding. But am I beholding the Lord? What are you doing? What, what are you beholding this Christmas season? When you look at your schedule, what are you beholding? What are you doing this Christmas? Are you losing the timing of, of the Lord? The devil loves to get you to distrust the goodness of God. It was, it, it, it was The tree was there for their goodness. It had a purpose. It said do not touch with a purpose. But the devil loves to get you to distrust the goodness of God and get you outside of God's timing for your life. The tree had to be in the garden. Why? Why? Because he wanted relationship with you. He wanted to see if you trust him. He wanted to see if you could wait on him. You want to know what a relationship is? Relationship is all about trust. If I don't trust you, I'm not going to be in a relationship with you. If you break my trust, I may come back once, but I probably ain't coming back two times. Why? Because you broke it. That's what relationships are. And he had one thing he said you cannot touch. Why? Because he wanted to build relationship with you. He wanted to say, can I trust them with this? Can, can they walk away from it? Can they listen to me? And all of a sudden, he was, he was, he he did not want an Eden full of robots just doing what he said. No, he wanted an Eden full of people that were choosing to keep his commands. He wanted, he, he wanted a church full of people that were choosing to. They're not just worshiping because that's the thing to do. No, they are choosing to walk with me. They are choosing to talk with me. And I've prepared this place for them. Love is not only proven by what you say yes to. Love is also proven by what you can say no to this Christmas. Band, help me out. Can they walk away from what I warned them about? Can they trust me to the eye? Christmas started in a manger in Bethlehem. But in the spirit, it can be traced back to the very beginning of time. The basics. The reason for the season. 
is to hold, behold, to remember the art of waiting on the promises and celebrating that he not only wants you to behold him, he not only wants you to hold him, but he wants a relationship with you. He desires a relationship with you. He not only wants a Merry Christmas. He not only wants you to remember him at Christmas and Easter. He wants that relation. Can I trust you? Do you trust me? He wants that from you today. Will you stand up with me this morning? Lord, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, we thank you today, oh God, for everything that you've done for us. Lord, this Christmas, I pray that we take a moment, oh God. Lord, I pray that we take a moment this, this, very, this very season of life, this very, this very Christmas, and be reminded, and just be reminded. that the manger was just a small piece of the story. But there had to be a manger, there had to be a Mary and Joseph to fix the issue in Genesis. What happened in Genesis needed a Bethlehem. And now what's happening in the world today needs what happened in Bethlehem. Lord, so we're seeing what we're going through even today can be traced back from the beginning of time.